and welcome back to Dissecting Dexter. I'm your host, Gareth Watting. I'm out of practice at this, aren't I? <laughs> I'm your host, there, and uh, coming to you from the green and pleasant land of Yorkshire, England, for uh, what is a rewatch podcast. We are here, we are going back to season three, and it's only been, what, eight short years since uh, we did season three, episode one. And uh, as I explained, if, if you've heard the, uh, the check-in podcast I did in the autumn, um, just before Christmas, uh, it was my intention to keep going and, uh, and press on and complete the rewatch, finish what I started, that's what I said, uh, <laughs> in the autumn. And uh, it, it was... It was my intention, and I can only apologise that it's been so, so long. I mean, it. we almost need a, a new word to define just how long it's been. Um, and I, I feel like I've let you guys down, and I'm, I'm sorry. I, I know that some of you have, have been listening to the Rewatch podcast, and we've since, you know, <laughs> during this very, very long hiatus, uh, we have had some new listeners... Uh, join the community and I thank you for that and I, I, I really appreciate you uh, you finding me and, and, and getting something from these little ramblings that I do from time to time about a show that we all enjoy. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I feel like I've, I've let you down in, in not keeping these going and all I can say is sorry. Um, my enthusiasm for the show certainly waned way back when I was burned out. Um, but the news last year of the resurrection of Dexter, not the character, but the show, or kind of both. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's rejuvenated uh, my, my enthusiasm for uh, talking about Dexter. And uh, if, if you've been um, subscribed to the feed... Uh, earlier this year, you'll have um, heard several weeks ago, we did a uh, the first of what I hope will be a couple of uh, preview podcasts talking about where we feel about the show, about where we're at with the show, reflecting on on eight seasons and looking ahead to what the new season might bring. Those of you who are not up to date with the show up to the end of season eight, and are perhaps watch, uh, sorry, listening to these rewatch podcasts as some sort of companion to the show. Perhaps you've discovered Dexter for the first time, discovered it recently, and you're working your way through. And uh, maybe you're watching an episode and then listening to my podcast, which was what my intention was when I started this this rewatch. Was that it would be a companion to you guys watching the show for the first time and maybe helping helping your own thoughts sort of percolate uh, as we go along. What's my point? My point is, yes, I did have a point. I told you I'm out of practice. <laughs> I should have scripted this. Um, <laughs> you will not be spoiled here. Uh, this is, uh, as I say, a rewatch podcast. We will only be uh, talking about events of the show up to and including, certainly for today, for today, uh, season three, episode two. So there will be nothing, no spoilers about what's to come, no spoilers about um, where we left the show at the end of season eight. Uh, so please don't, 
please don't fear. And I, I try to review these episodes without my speculation being clouded by what obviously I know is to come. Uh, so you can listen to these in safety. That's the message. <laughs> Whew, that was a ramble, wasn't it? Um, as far as the new season is concerned, um, those of you who are up to date, uh, there will be uh, another preview podcast to come. My intention is to wait until uh, they bring us a full trailer, which I would expect probably fairly soon. We are well into the summer now. As I record, it is the 30th of June, 2021. I would expect a trailer probably in the next few weeks. So when that comes along, it'll give us something really meaty to chew on, which is a weird thing for me to say as a vegan, but um, <laughs> it's a good analogy, uh, a good metaphor. Um, so we'll get together and uh, I will mark that, that podcast very clearly in the feed as a season nine preview. Um, so uh, again, those of you listening along with these rewatches as you as you watch season three, don't worry um, about being unintentionally or accidentally spoiled. OK, so let's circle back to what we're talking about today. This is a season three rewatch. Uh, we are talking about episode two of that season. Um, and before we, we dive in, I want to take a moment to dedicate this podcast to an old friend of the show, Bob DeGrand, who um, sent feedback into the last rewatch episodes for, for season three, episode one. Uh, and very sadly, not long after that, he, um, he unfortunately uh, and, and sadly passed away. I paid tribute to him on the uh, the podcast feedback uh, podcast Facebook page, and I promised his family that I would be dedicating an episode of the podcast to him, uh, uh, and and recording in his memory. So, those of you who have have heard the name before, he was uh, a long standing friend of the show. Uh, he guested on uh, at least one or two uh, episodes of the show um, and also set up his own Dexter Rewatch podcast, the Dextercast, which just prior to me recording this, I did have a look uh, to see if his website was still up there. The website is still there, but none of the download links are working and I can't find his podcast on iTunes. So that would be very sad if um, the show has vanished from the ether um that would be a great shame if uh, if his podcast had been lost uh anyway uh so yeah this episode is dedicated to to Bob de Grand uh he was a true gentleman and a friend of the show and he will be sadly missed uh rest in peace bob and thank you okay so season 3 episode 2 episode title finding freebo the original air date was the 1st of May 2009, written by Melissa Rosenberg and directed by Marcos Siega. Let's go with the review. Dexter's reeling a bit after Rita's pregnancy bombshell last episode. Like anyone not planning on starting a family of their own, this has come as a genuine shock, although... 
I guess he'd have known whether they were using any kind of birth control, and surely he understands about the birds and the bees, right? In this opening scene, Dexter's looking around at children, musing how he doesn't mind other people's kids. He can interact and play with them, but then bugger off home and leave them behind at the end of the day. However, I think he's kidding himself if he tries to suggest that he hasn't become genuinely fond of Astra and Cody. And I think he's felt a warm, fuzzy glow when they respond to him like Cody did last episode. However, having one of his own, that's an entirely different kettle of fish, and and he'll surely have a fear of what his offspring would become, like him perhaps. Dexter, as he's told us before, was born in blood, and we've talked about nature versus nurture in earlier seasons, and I'm sure we'll touch on the topic again this season. I've learned a lot more about mental health since we last reviewed an episode, but I think we can all acknowledge that no one is simply born evil, even if there are some close real-life candidates. There's always some reason that a person takes a particular path, but I digress. So Rita has confirmed the pregnancy and neither of them look terribly happy about it, do they? Poor Dex looks like a rabbit caught in the headlights. He just seems shell-shocked, not knowing how to react. Back at Miami Metro, the investigation into Oscar Prado's murder is continuing with Freebo, the number one target for both the police and Dexter. Of course, Freebo can identify him, so he needs taken care of before the police get to him. Quinn is all nicey-nicey and flirty with Deb, and she's having none of it. She's off men at the moment, and of course, we've been encouraged to be suspicious of Quinn after the scenes with the IA officer last episode. Deb's a bit fed up with the case she's landed after being kicked off the Prado murder. However, the coroner report has shown up that the chunk of skin cut out was not to hide a tattoo. Deb hopes this will pique Dexter's interest. Why else would a square of skin be deliberately cut out like that? Of course, for now... It's only Dexter that knows that the two cases are linked, but because he needs to find Freebo first, he's keeping mum about it. So he knows that the girl's Tegan, Freebo's girlfriend, and Dex assumes Freebo killed her. This is the Dissecting Dexter Podcast. It helps me control the chaos. Elsewhere, Miguel Prado is understandably anxious about the investigation into his brother's murder. LaGuerta tries to reassure him, but he brings up the fact that this is the same team that went years, unknowingly with the Bay Harbour Butcher in their midst. It's a cheap shot, but a fair one. Seems like LaGuerta might still have some feelings for Miguel, and she infers that she was too close to Dokes to see things clearly. And she suggests that Miguel take a step back and be a bit more objective now. As he leaves, LaGuerta looks to Batista for reassurance that as lead investigator he's got this. He turns away and pulls a face and I can't quite work out um, what he's thinking there. He kind of rolls his eyes and I wonder if he's just not happy about her being so close to Prado and the extra pressure on results that come from that. Later, Deb's out canvassing for the Tegan case, not knowing the girl's called Tegan, Uh, she's trying to get an ID. And she gets approached by Yuki Amado from IA uh, and she interrupts her. She's 
really not being presented as likeable, this woman. She's all cocky and giving Deb some attitude and snarky remarks. If she wants Deb's help to get to Quinn, she's not developing the relationship very well. Quite the opposite. She suggests that she has enough weight to get Deb's detective shield if she cooperates. She brings Harry into it and Deb's not impressed. Her guard is definitely up more after her experiences with Brian Moser. That was a massive, if traumatic, learning experience for her and she's not the naive little girl she thinks she was back then. Yuki's really being a dick though. She obviously hasn't had any lessons in how to make friends and influence people and Deb tells her in no uncertain terms, dropping the C-bomb. She's got no leverage on Deb, so why she's coming at her like this, I, I don't know. Meanwhile... Dexter has the information Deb's looking for, but has no intention of sharing it. He starts to daydream about baby names and imagines Harry bottle-feeding a baby Dexter Jr. This is the first time we've seen Harry like this. Previous seasons, we saw him in photos and flashbacks, but here Dexter seems to imagine Harry addressing him directly. It's just a daydream, really, but a small landmark for the character's portrayal in the show. Dexter's not interested in any fatherly advice from Harry, though. Miguel interrupts his train of thought and invites him for dinner, appreciating the personal interest Dex is showing in his brother's case. He's getting far too close to this for comfort. Deb goes to visit Anton again, Quinn's informant, and makes a plea for help IDing her murder victim. After Anton declines, she makes her plea in a way that only Deb can. I'm fucking desperate, all right? I got a steaming heap of crap all on this case. I've gone through every thumb-sucking ball sack of a pimp I know, every whacked-out hooker. You are my last-ditch-ass-fucked effort. Damn, you got a mouth on you, woman. The desperation is undeniable, isn't it? And Anton complies. He doesn't recognise the girl in the photo, but he says he'll ask around. He seems like he might be a nice enough guy. I mean, he's not coming across as a bad guy. We know that he only got caught up in a drug bust but wasn't connected. Just wrong place, wrong time, presumably. So Dex and Rita arrive at Miguel's very impressive house for dinner. Rita keen for them to make a decision about the pregnancy. Unfortunately, Miguel doesn't help Dexter's concerns as he talks about him and his brothers and how they all have something of their father in them. And you know what Dexter's thinking as he sips his beer. Would a child of his grow up to be like him? Could his child avoid end up ending up on the, the same dark path? Obviously, it would be up to Dex and Rita as parents to do their best to ensure that the child is raised in a positive way, but... Dexter only has his experience of Harry, who actively encouraged him to channel rather than fight his urges to kill. Miguel goes on to confide to Dexter that he and his brother Ramon, who's in the sheriff's department, remember, might have a lead on where Freebo might be. Ramon has um, obtained Freebo's mother's mobile phone and figure that if Freebo calls her, they'll be able to track his location. Obviously, this is not good news for Dexter, since he's so hell-bent on getting there first. And we understand why. After they leave the Prado's house, Dexter sets off alone, planning on checking out Tegan's house for any lead on Freebo. In voiceover, he says how much sharper he is as his so-called shadow self, 
so much clearer. And he wishes he was as clear about the pregnancy. It's just indicative of how long he's had to hone his skills as a hunter-killer and no time to learn to be a father or even think about becoming one. Arriving at Tegan's house, though, and it's not what he expects. A party's going on and he does his awkward best to look all nonchalant and, and fit in. Two stereotypical blondes giggle and flirt with him as he learns that Tegan moved house. I never knew girls like this when I grew up. <laughs> but in this post-me-too post society, the stereotype bimbos here are a bit troubling to me. But at least Dex doesn't take advantage beyond getting Tegan's new address. As he leaves, he looks around and considers the young people here, all drunk and leery, having fun. I mean, boozy parties are a rite of passage when you grow up. Not to Dex, though, and he wonders as a naked man trots past him how much worse could his child turn out. <laughs> he considers whether he, even, whether he even wants the responsibility of becoming a parent, and for him, he probably realises that this will inevitably get in the way of the darker things that he likes to do. It's something that any parent-to-be might, might think about. It, it is a responsibility, bringing a life into the world. But for Dex, he wonders if he's even capable of being a reliable parent and not being there when he should. As you'd expect from Dexter, he can't simply have a constructive conversation with Rita about it and wants to make a list of all the pros and cons. He can't think of any positives apart from kids being cute. Rita, on the other hand, has done this twice already and lists several cons right off the top of her head. Even she's questioning whether having another baby is the best thing to do. Back at Miami Metro, Batista is feeling the pressure of the Prado case. He's Detective Sergeant now and he knows that comes with greater responsibility there's that theme of the episode again, responsibility. But he's struggling to break the case. He and Dexter have a chat and when he hears Rita's pregnant, he lights up. Best thing that ever happened to him, having his daughter, and that Dexter will find out what he means. Even in his darkest hours, Batista says having his, his daughter is, is his light. Maybe something there for Dexter to think about. Perhaps a child could help ground him. In mental health, nurses talk about protective factors, things that can help keep someone from risk, maybe not hurting themselves or whatever. It could be social things like friends or family or something practical like uh, a hobby to get absorbed in. Children can be a massive protective factor that gives a person a reason to keep going, try to get better, not doing anything dangerous. Perhaps having a child could be a light in Dexter's darkness. In a fascinating dream sequence, or dreamlike sequence, Dexter imagines a life with Rita, Asta, Cody and their new son. Harry appears, and Dexter's snarky with him. I always wanted to be a grandfather. I think we're better off without you. Well, it's a beautiful family you got there, Dex. You couldn't picture this, could you? I could have surprised you. Yeah, there's no reason it couldn't turn out like this. It feels like this is Dexter playing out a hypothetical conversation with Harry in his head, imagining what it would be like as a family. His remarks to Harry are a nod to how it seemed that Harry had written him off as irredeemable, 
a killer forever, seeking to just harness his darkness rather than try and find a way out of it. Maybe Harry never did foresee Dexter having a family of his own. I like to think he'd have been incredibly proud to be proven wrong. What father wouldn't want his children to be happy? The dream sequence ends with Asta disappearing and the new son sitting there wearing Dexter's familiar kill clothes, holding a bloodied garrote, feeding into Dexter's worst fear that his child would inevitably turn out like him. Meanwhile, Deb finally strikes gold as Anton's help leads her to a young pimp who knew Tegan and says he passed her on to someone else, and that someone was Freebo. Deb can't believe her luck. Regardless of what Yuki Amado says... Deb really does want to earn her detective shield. And this discovery now links both hers and the Oscar Prado case. Looks like she's back in the game. Hooray! (laughs) Back at Miami Metro, Dexter's spending his time wasting police time doing tests that he knows won't yield anything. Now, I know we root for Dexter and we accept that he's an anti-hero, but his colleagues are good people trying to catch bad people and what he's doing here is a bit of a dick move. We still love him, but I rolled my eyes here. Anyway, he learns from Batista that Deb's made a breakthrough and there's much excitement that may ha- that they may have a good lead on Freebo and it looks like the cases need to be merged. Freebo is still killing. Dexter needs to get his skates on. There's a side plot here about Masuka having an article published in a forensic journal, but honestly, I can't remember if it comes to anything of interest down the line, so I've not mentioned it here. <laughs> Now I have mentioned it. I may not mention it again. But speaking of breakthroughs, Miguel has a breakthrough of his own. He's got a bead on Freebo after they intercepted a call to his mother. They trace the call. Ramon is hot-headed and wants to take care of it, but Miguel wants control. LaGuerta interrupts him with news that one of Miguel's recent convictions is unsafe and an innocent man went down. Follow the podcast. Get on Twitter and follow at Dissect Dexter. Dexter goes to search the address he was given for Tegan. And would you believe it? Freebo's there, naked, doing some one-handed surfing. Dexter is off guard and hadn't planned on a kill tonight, but he makes a hasty exit to get his tools. At home, though, his preparation is cut short by Rita, who's turned up wanting to make a decision about the baby. She does a bait and switch before saying she wants to keep it, but she gives Dexter an out if he's not on board. It's so jarring but typical of Dexter's life that he goes from considering bringing a life into the world to heading out with the intention of taking one. He returns to Tegan's house where, mercifully, Freebo's got some boxer shorts on now. And so to the kill table, where Dexter does his usual thing of confronting him with his victims. However, outside the house, Miguel is sitting in his car. Oh my God! Maybe contemplating going in and facing the man he thinks killed his brother. What a delightful setup! While Dexter's giving Freebo the speech, Miguel enters the house. Gun drawn, with Dexter's kill room set up in the garage next door. Freebo's confused, though. He says he was somewhere else when Tegan was killed. Dexter's not really paying any attention to that, though. Michael C. Hall is so good in these scenes. He's so great at 
at switching from the goofy, socially awkward lab geek to a convincing cold-blooded killer. He goes for the killstroke and the knife effect I thought was particularly graphic and realistic. Nicely done by the makeup team. Meanwhile, Miguel has worked his way outside and Dexter hears him. Cue panic stations and new underwear. He rushes outside and gets caught. Miguel's baffled why he's here and I can imagine Dexter's mind racing trying to think of how to explain this. Miguel being here alone with a gun, though, it it might be safe to assume he wasn't going to offer Freebo a cosy night in a cell following due process. Makes you wonder about Miguel's morality, doesn't it? Assistant district attorney, upholding the law by day, but judgment clouded by grief here. Dexter seems a little bit resigned here, and he admits to killing Freebo, but he says it was self-defence after he went there following a forensic lead. Miguel give Dexter, gives Dexter a big, a big hug, a big bro hug. And the implication is very much that he intended on killing Freebo himself. And perhaps there's some relief there that he didn't have to see it through and Dexter did it. Again, though, throwing up a question of Miguel's morality. Miguel says they should get rid of the evidence. Dexter knows what he's doing, though, and won't let Miguel see his elaborate kill room or it'll be obvious that this was no accident or self-defence, but pretending that he has Miguel's best interests at heart, plausible deniability, he says, Dex says he'll take care of it himself. If ever he wanted to ingratiate himself to Miguel, this was it. And I don't think he was wanting to ingratiate himself. We know he likes to keep most people at arm's length. Miguel's going to love him forever after this. Dex and Rita having a baby. I think Miguel would offer his own womb if he had one right now. However, even though he's not seen the kill room or has any reason to think this was more than self-defence, Miguel knows Dex has killed someone. And with the blood we see on his shirt, things may not pan out perfectly from here. And with it being only the second episode of the season, it would be a safe bet to think that they won't. It's a nice setup and a bit of tension at the end there. Listener Feedback Now, in the years since I last did a rewatch podcast, in fact, since I last did a podcast of any kind, um, I've had quite a few emails from uh, various listeners who've, uh, new and old, who have picked up the podcast or who have just checked in to see how things are going. And I thank each and every one of you for reaching out to me and letting me know you've discovered the podcast and enjoying it, or maybe just checking in to see how things are. I appreciate it. It's, it's always nice to hear from people. So I've made a little list of emailers and I just want to quickly thank you now. So uh, thanks to Luke, Devin, Sandra, Ken, Jennifer, Christy Turlington. Rick, oh wait, no, Christy, that was that was spam, unfortunately. Not Christy Turlington. Uh, Rick, Stephen, Jeremy, Todd and his son. And also I had an email from Tom in Washington. Now, Tom emailed not long after 
I actually last did a, a rewatch podcast and obviously I would have read it out much sooner had I not put the podcast on such long-term hiatus. But thank you, Tom. I hope you're still subscribed to the podcast feed and you'll hear my response. But anyway, uh, he says, well, I just saw that you've started season three. I'm so excited. I've always felt that season three was undervalued by the Dexter fan base. Perhaps it's because I've always been a fan of Jimmy Smith's. After season one ended, I missed Rudy as season two started. After season two, I missed Dokes at the start of season three. I don't mind starting a new plotline or character, but I really do miss some of these characters after they leave. After we watch season three, will there be someone else to leave who I'll miss? That being said, if Yuki and Mada were hit by a bus in episode two, I'd be okay with it. After I watched a couple of se- a couple of episodes of season one, my immediate thought was, at some point, they need to explore the idea of Dexter killing, brackets, accidentally, someone innocent. They somewhat skirted that with Lila killing Dokes in season two, but they started season three with pretty much that. Yes, he came at him with a knife, but he killed someone who was not vetted. How will this affect Dexter? How will this affect the fans and their attitudes towards Dex? It's compelling stuff. I'm looking forward to the next episode. Keep up the good work. Thanks very much, Tom. Well, I hope you're still listening and uh, you'll be pleasantly surprised that I've read out your email after about six and a half years. <laughs> Better late than never, eh? Well, yes, I did talk a little bit about Yuki in my review of episode two. She's definitely not my favourite character and not behaving like someone who uh, has any idea about how to how to groom an informant, how to uh, win someone over to cooperate with you. She's gone in very hardball and she didn't really have any business doing that. So if she's wanting Deb to cooperate, she's not going the right way about it. And we know Deb. She'll dig her heels in, won't she? As for killing someone innocent, this is... And Dexter acknowledged what a big thing this was for him at the time. He didn't talk about it in episode two, and maybe he'll address it further later in the season. Uh, Because at the moment, apart from maybe dabbling in dodgy substances and a couple of speeding tickets. We don't know that Oscar Prado was was a bad guy. So as far as the co's concerned, he was innocent. So Dexter's certainly crossed the line there, but he seems to be so wrapped up in trying to clean up his mess that um, he's not having, not allowing himself time to to dwell on it. And obviously we've got the, the pregnancy angle as well to occupy his thoughts. But maybe uh, in a later episode this season, he will he will consider that a bit more or maybe he'll be vindicated. Either way, he's obviously got it's it's not in any question at all, even if it does turn out Oscar deserved it, that uh, he didn't, as far as Dexter knew, at the time of the killing, he didn't deserve it. He hadn't been vetted uh, and it was genuine self-defence. We'll see what happens. It's certainly it was certainly a big milestone in Dexter's career, shall we say. Thanks very much, Tom. Again, uh, if you want to get in touch with me, uh, anyone out there, the email address is the same as it's always been. It's dissectingdexter at gmail.com. You can also reach out on the Facebook page if you go on there. 
search for Dissecting Dexter and you'll find it. I'm also on Twitter at Dissect Dexter. And I tell you what's really nice. I love to play voicemails. I love to hear your guys' voices and, and putting them on the podcast just breaks things up a bit from you guys having to listen to my droning on and on. Uh, so if you want to record, do a voice recording on your phone and email that to me, that's brilliant too. All right, so the Rewatch podcasts are back. Let's see if I can rattle through season four and season three before season nine airs that would be the ideal wouldn't it it might not happen but i make to you now a strong commitment that i will continue the rewatch between now and then and uh, and churn a few more of these out who knows maybe i'll rattle through these pretty quickly we'll see what happens obviously it depends on family and work commitments as well but i will try and keep some regular content coming out for you and of course we'll have the uh, we'll we'll have a trailer soon I hope and when we do we'll get um we'll get a little gang together and we'll have a chat about it and uh, maybe be able to make some more firm speculation about um about what's going to happen in season nine there are some spoilers out there so uh certainly casting spoilers and, and things i've heard that i would have rather not but um hey ho these things happen nothing major i don't think but um yeah just take care if you don't like to hear anything um information is out there but uh, as always if if we do touch on anything on the podcast i'll I'll be sure to uh give you fair warning okay so uh i will speak to you fairly soon hopefully and we'll dissect some more dexter together but until then take care guys bye for now (laughs) 